Hi, and welcome to the Life Source Christian Church Audio Lounge with Senior Ministers John and Anne Uliano. Have you ever wondered about how to better connect with God? Well, that's exactly what we're going to help you with in this week's show, where you'll learn how to more fully love God, grow spiritually, and help others. If you have your Bibles, would you open up to Luke chapter 9? And I want us to read two verses from Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, and obviously, after all these years, you know that I read from the New King James Bible. Okay, so it says this, Then he called his 12 disciples together. Everybody say he called. And gave them power and authority. Everybody say he gave them. Over all demons and to cure diseases. And then verse 2 says, He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and heal the sick. Everybody say, he sent them. So three things God does. He calls us. He equips us. He gives us things to equip us. And then he sends us. For what reason? To do something amazing. God has not designed you to be boring. God has not designed your life to be meaningless. God has designed you to do something amazing. And one of the greatest things that you can do is understand what God is doing in your life at this period of time. So let me, let me give you, how many of you love the background story to all this? How many of you love the background? Okay, so... Jesus called his disciples to follow him. Some of them were fishermen. Some of them were tax collectors. And he called them with purpose. They had no idea what the grand purpose of life was. He says, come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. That was the best insight that they had. They had no idea that they were going to be the apostles, that that the church was going to be be built around them. And so I, I just think it's awesome that sometimes when God calls us, he doesn't tell us all the details. And, uh, and if you're a detailed person that frustrates you to death because you want all the details and God many times does not give you the details, he just calls you. And so for two years, so the setting of Luke chapter 9 is about two years of them following Jesus and he's teaching them, he's modelling stuff to them, he's preparing them for something amazing. And I, and I love what Luke does Luke, Luke is an historian, and so, and so if you ever want to know the chronology of the events in the New Testament, in the Gospels, you read Luke because Luke put everything in chronological order. Matthew, Mark, and John had other um, ways of writing the Gospels, but Luke did it in chronology. In, in chronological order. And so what we find is this, before Jesus appointed them as apostles, it took about two years of them doing nothing but observing. He never asked them to pray for anybody. He never asked them to heal the sick until Luke chapter 9. What I find fascinating is that before we get to Luke chapter 9, there are five life lessons that they, it culminates in sort of, okay, before I send you and appoint you as apostles, he's five life lessons that you need to learn. Chapter eight, and it starts with the storms. They, they get in the boat 
Jesus knowing there's a storm coming. And, and what's the life lesson on this? In the midst of you pursuing the will of God in your life, storms will come. How many of you experienced storms in your life? But do not be afraid because if Jesus is in the boat, you'll survive the storm. How many of you have survived storms in the past? Guess what? There's many storms coming your way, but you will survive them as well. So then after storms comes demons. How many of you love to survive storms only to be encountered by demons? And so they get out of the boat thinking, wow, that's over. And all of a sudden, the demoniac of the Gadarenes, and you can read this in, in uh, Acts chapter 8, verse 26, confronts them. And how many of you, the first thing you want to do when demons confront you is run or hide or, or just try to find a pastor or someone that can stand in front of you. But Jesus was teaching them, you know what? Storms will come. You'll be confronted with demons, but do not be afraid because there's power in you to release people from demons. And then they get back into the boat and they go across to Capernaum where they confront crowds of people. And so they were thronged by people. And again, the life lesson in this is that people come, people go, people surround you, people are for you, but the next day they can be against you. There's life stories about people. One of the big things that Anne and I always teach pastors is this, people come, people go. Just love people while you have them in your world because not everybody is going to stay with you forever. Some people are only in there for a season, but you do your best with them. Don't, be, don't get angry when they leave. You just be excited that you're able to input something into their world. Keep a sweet spirit. Can anybody say amen to that? Amen. And so, then in the middle of the throng, what happened is that there was a sick woman with the issue of blood that touched the hem of his garment. And so, the life story was this is that you will bring healing to people wherever you go. You, you, you're going to be one of those people that bring healing to people. Just get ready for it. It's going to come from strange ways, it's going to come without you even realizing it. But you, wherever you walk, you bring healing to people. What a wonderful thing it is to walk into a room and you bring healing healing to people. If you're a God person, you can bring healing spiritually, emotionally, physically to people just by being in the room, just by being Jesus in the room. You bring something of God's glory, of God's presence. Can anybody say amen to that? And then fifthly, the fifth life lesson is miracles. There's the, the death of Jarius's daughter and Jesus raises her up and they're able to see that there is nothing too difficult for God. When you thought something was finished and over, God's able to bring life to it. And so in the process of this, in the context of this, in the background of this, God says, okay, I'm going to call you again to a higher level. And so we have this context of he called them. Now he'd already called them, but now he's calling them again. Can I talk to you about four callings that come our way? The first calling is the calling to salvation. What a beautiful thing it is. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. How many of you heard Jesus calling you to salvation and you responded? How sad it is for people who hear Jesus calling and don't respond and, and don't come into that first calling, the calling of salvation, because you cannot enter into eternal life without hearing Jesus calling for salvation and having your sins forgiven. But then there's another calling and it's the calling to discipleship. And the calling of discipleship is when you hear Jesus calling, hey, take up your cross and follow me. 
And this calling to discipleship is a calling to die, to die to selfishness, to die to self-centeredness. And we cannot fulfill the mandate of God without dying to self-centeredness. Self-centeredness is, 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 is a disease that this world has been inflicted with and it's all about me. Everything is about me. And it's really sad when, when a lot of churches preach a me gospel how God wants to bless you, how God wants to heal you, how God wants to do wonderful things for you. And we become self-centered. You know, you say, but doesn't God want that? Yes, he does. But he wants you to mature so that you can see that as a gift for others. So not only does God want to bless me, God wants to bless others. Now God wants me to be a source of blessing for others. Yes, God wants to heal me, but God also wants to heal others. What a wonderful thing it is when I become the hands and feet of Jesus to bring healing to others. And this is discipleship where we die to self and we start living for others. And there's a call. Are you willing to take up your cross? Take up the death. Take up that which symbolizes your death every day and follow me. It's the call to discipleship. And you know what I've discovered right across the world? There are a lot of people that have heard the call to salvation, but not a lot of people have heard the call to discipleship, to taking up the cross and following him. Too many people want a gospel that preaches blessing, not a gospel that preaches death death to self. Anyway, that's another story. Let's move on. So what's the third calling? The third calling is the calling to disciple making. And so once we've become disciples, now we are prepared and ready to make disciples of others. And that's the great commission, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. So what a wonderful thing it is for people to have matured just beyond the calling of salvation, have gone into the calling of discipleship, and now they've been prepared because they're disciples to make disciples of others. Where we're able to say like Paul did, imitate me as I imitate Christ. We are disciple makers. We are helping others become mature disciples of Christ. What a joy that is. And then the fourth calling is the calling of fulfilling your divine purpose, your unique purpose. Romans 8.28 says, All things work together for good to those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. And so we, we love the first part of the work verse, all things work together for good. But the second part of the, of, of the verse is, who were called according to to His purpose. There's a divine purpose that God has for your life. And it's a unique purpose that you need to hear the calling for. Not, I heard the calling to become a pastor back in January of 1978, but not everybody has that calling to be a pastor. But, to, but everybody has a unique calling to do something for God. And this morning we saw Sally's calling. She, she's, she's been prepared in, a, in an education system for 11 years to be prepared for this new calling to establish a ministry training college. How many of you know that when God calls us to our divine purpose, it is incredibly scary? It's like, I'm not sure that I'm ready for this. And God says, no, you're not ready in your strength, but I'm the one that's calling you and I'm the one who equips you to do what needs to be done. So let's talk about what God does next. Then he calls us, but he equips us. Everybody says, equips us. 
And so, so what God did with the disciples is that He gave them power and authority to heal, uh, to cast out devils and to cure all manner of diseases. He equips them. So what He did with the disciples is, is that He gave them power. It's the Greek word dunamis. And what did Jesus say, not only to the disciples, but to all of us in Acts chapter 1, verse 8? You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon, upon you. Let me tell you, the Holy Spirit is our power. Our power is not in our ability. It's in the Holy Spirit. Everybody say the Holy Spirit. Come on. As Pentecostals, we need to be open to the Holy Spirit. God does not give us the Holy Spirit just to belong to a Pentecostal club. Seriously, if the only reason you need the Holy Spirit is to speak in other tongues, you've missed it by a long shot. I, I, I speak in other tongues uh, on, on a daily basis. I love speaking in other tongues. But the purpose of the Holy Spirit is not just to speak in other tongues, but to receive power to be extraordinary. God wants to give His people power. Get ready for some power. Then He wants to give you authority. That's what He gave the disciples. And, and they're two different words. Power is the Greek word dunamos. Authority is the Greek word exousia. And this exousia means that there is something upon you when you walk into a room. There's a cloak that God puts upon you, that when you walk into the room, you have authority. Authority. There's something powerful. I really believe that that authority God gives to us, but we walk in it when we better understand the Word of God. Those of you that understand the Word of God carry more authority than those that don't understand the Word of God. You don't understand the Word of God and, and your authority, even though it's there, you don't feel it. And because you don't feel it, you don't walk in it. It's just an amazing thing with authority is that when you come into a room and you've got it, people sense it. How many of you, how many of you have ever went to school and you had a teacher that had authority? She was able or he was able to, to just bring the room into order. Then there were other teachers that literally had the same authority, but they weren't able to walk in it and consequently the students just go crazy. They just go, how many of you know what I'm talking about? When you know the Word of God, when you look into the Word of God and you understand the Word of God, you receive authority because the Word gives you authority. You're able to stand up and say, God says. And when you're able to say, God says, there's authority that backs that up. It's just something awesome. Can I just say, to some of you that kind of say to me, I, I, I don't hear God speaking to me anymore. Do you know what I want to say to you? I want to say to you, please open your Bible more. Because when you start opening your Bible more, God starts speaking to you. And some of you say, well, well, well I do open my Bible. Well, let me tell you what to do next. Open your Bible and start reading it aloud and start listening to your words 
reading the Word of God. And as you start listening, you'll start hearing the Word of God. I'm telling you right now, God will start speaking to you as you start opening this book, reading it, speaking it. Something will begin to happen. And uh, I, I, I want a church of people that love the Word of God. Can anybody say amen to that? I want a church of people that know the Word of God, that love the Word of God, that hanker for the Word of God. And they're the people that have got authority in this world. Let me tell you, the third thing that God gives us to equip us, and that's spiritual gifts. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 4.10 that every single one of us has received gifts. Therefore, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Not one of you is lacking with gifts. Every single one of you is gifted. Ariel, you're gifted. God has put gifts within your life. And when we were in Zambia, I saw some of those gifts. I saw little kids just following you. I'm telling you, they followed you because you're gifted as a leader, Ariel. God's anointed you to lead. And, and there's, I saw it upon your life. It's just awesome. And I bless what God has placed upon your life, Ariel, in the mighty name of Jesus. Spiritual gifts. You said, but I don't know what my spiritual gifts are. Oh, I'm so glad that you said that because on the 29th of August, we've got a course, Next Steps, called Discovering Your Spiritual Gifts. Do the QR code, sign up and find out what your spiritual gifts are. We get you to do a questionnaire where, where you answer the questions and based on the truthfulness and honesty of your questions, we tell you what that shows up as spiritual gifts and, and then help you to operate. Come on. But every single one of you can be doing something. I saw Keith this morning and he had a new volunteer on, you know, on, on his arm and he was showing them the ropes. And I thought, how wonderful. We've got people in the global cafe that are pre-Christians cooking for us. And I thought, how wonderful. How, yeah, give them a great big applause. Cooking for us. And, and using their gifts to do something. And you say, but that's not spiritual. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Any, any ability that you have is a spiritual gift. Oh, well, I thought the, the, the spiritual gifts was casting out demons and healing the sick and raising the dead. Just encouraging anybody is a spiritual gift. Paul says that prophecy is edification, exhortation and comfort. Come on, anybody can do that if you really want to. Find out what your spiritual gifts are. Let me tell you the fourth thing that God gives us to equip us. What was the first thing that God gives us to equip us? Power. What was the second thing God gives us to equip us? Authority. What was the third thing that God gives us to equip us? Spiritual gifts. Word of God is authority. And uh, number four, the fourth thing that God gives us to equip us is experience. Experience. And one of the things that we do with experience is that we, we tend to, to categorize it as that was a bad experience and that was a good experience. But you know what? God uses bad experiences and good experiences to equip us. Matter of fact, when I look back over my life, oh my goodness, I find that some of the bad experiences equip me better than some of the good experiences. I learned more from bad experiences than good experiences. Some of the experiences in our lives are painful. Some of them are joyful. But I found that it's not the joyful experiences that help me bless people more. It's my painful experiences 
I find that more people identify with my painful experiences than my joyful experiences. If if you've never experienced death, then it's very difficult for you to identify with people who are experiencing death. But nobody looks for death. So that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for death. No, it comes your way whether you're looking for it or not. But too often what we're doing is that we're rejecting the experience and casting it away and praying against it rather than absorbing it and say, Lord, you're preparing me for something extraordinary out of this experience. And then we have experiences that are tedious versus experiences that are important. How many of you remember watching Karate Kid? Boy, that that shows my age. And... (laughs) And uh, the karate master was teaching him to, to rub on and rub off and wax on. See, see, you know the movie better than me. And so he saw it as tedious. Wax on, wax off. So tedious. So tedious. But, God, but, but his karate master was preparing him to be a champion. And too often it's the tedious things that we so reject that God is using, you know. Some of you find prayer tedious, but God, He doesn't, He remembers every prayer that you've prayed. He's got every prayer recorded. There's nothing tedious. It's giving you spiritual power. Can I just say to you that sometimes praying the same prayer year in and year out is so tedious because you just want the answer. But all that praying year in and year out is teaching you is persistence. And God loves persistence, faithfulness, because that's who He is. And all these things are equipping us for something extraordinary. And so once God has called us, and then He does all this stuff called equipping, that too often we don't even realise that He's doing it. Sally, today, you're realising, oh my goodness, I'm looking back at my life and and all these things that God was doing. I didn't even realise that He was doing it, but He was equipping me. For what? For this very next chapter. For this very next chapter. And I'm ready for it. Oh, am I ready for it? I don't think we're ever ready for it because when God sends us, it's just so intimidating. So I, I find it fascinating because once we get to chapter nine and God sends them out, Okay, so this is the first time now that they're being sent out. And so they, they're sent out to cast out demons and to heal the sick. But what we found in chapter 9 as well is that Jesus ministers to a whole crowd of people, about 5,000 men and others. And then He says to the disciples, okay, now you go and feed them. And it's like, you want us to do what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what have you got? Well, you got five loaves and two fish. Yeah, you feed them. I'm sending you out to do the impossible. You feed it. How many of you know that's pretty intimidating uh, as as a project when you've got five loaves and two fish to feed 5,000 people? But again, God was teaching them an incredibly valuable lesson that yes, you can if I'm with you. There's nothing too difficult for you. And and too often we look at the feeding of the 5,000, which incidentally was probably 20,000 because the Bible only mentions 5,000 men, not women and children. And uh, knowing stats, there's probably 20,000. We, we, all, we always read the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000, but in actual fact, 
It was Jesus and the disciples fed the 5,000 because Jesus gave to them and they gave to others. And it was through the hand of Jesus that they did the miracle. And I want to say to you, there's amazing things in store for you that are incredibly intimidating. There's amazing things. And fear is going to be your biggest enemy. Fear will always be your biggest enemy. And too many people have given into fear and have not seen what God wants to do through their lives. I'm telling you right now, it's so important for you to grab this, that God will never ask you to do something within your power to do. He actually will always ask you to do something that's outside of your power to do so He can come along and help you. And too often what happens is that we only want to do stuff that we have the power to do. And if you've got the power to do it, it's probably not a God thing. Because God will always ask you to do something outside of your comfort zone so that He can come alongside and help you do it. And once it's done, then you don't get the glory. He gets the glory. Can anybody say amen to that? He gets the glory. Uh, Look, my time is up. I need to finish. What I want to say is this, is that you were designed by God to do something amazing and God wants to activate you and send you out to do something. And more often than not, what you need to look at is look at how you've been equipped. Look at your life. Do a map. Do a graph of your life and and start looking at all of your experiences. Start looking at all of your gifts and start looking at all of the stuff that God has put inside of you because more often than not, it will predict where you're going. It will predict the next chapter. It will predict what God is wanting to accomplish in your world. And just be patient because when God calls and He sends, He opens the doors. He makes things available. It just becomes just the next step. It's a God thing. And you you, you might be standing at a door and it doesn't open and it doesn't open and it's frustrating. But when God's timing happens, God will open the door. You'll feel the push in the back. You'll feel God pushing you through saying, it's time. You have been prepared for such a time as this. Now is your time to shine. I've prepared you for this. And we do it. And in the meantime, just keep doing the tedious. In the meantime, just keep doing the last thing God's told you to do. When it's time to change, you'll be the first to know. But if God hasn't opened a door, just keep doing the last thing that He's told you to do and He'll keep blessing you and He'll keep anointing you and He'll keep doing something. Come on. Thanks for choosing to listen to the Life Source Christian Church Audio Lounge. If you like this week's podcast, then please share it with a friend. More information about who we are is available at lifesource.org.au. On behalf of Senior Ministers John and Ann Giuliano, we look forward to connecting with you next time at the Life Source Christian Church Audio Lounge.